Loving the, uh, the buzz in the place. Lots of people talking about African Eye, I'm sure. It's going to be a lot of fun. So, um, as Shiju said earlier, today's a little bit different. So, um, I'm just going to be talking a bit about kingdom serving, but we're going to hear from a number of our church family as we celebrate and honor serving and how people have done that in the local church. And we're going to finish a little early so that our serving team leaders can get ready in the foyer and just be available to chat to any of you here about their team and what they do and possibly you might want to get involved in that. So that's how we're going to do this morning. So without further ado, if we can open our Bibles, if you've got them with you or your tablets, to Ephesians 2, verse 8 to 10. We're just going to read this passage together quickly. It'll be on the screen behind me as well. It says, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I just want to focus in on that second part. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I just want to look at four things really quickly. First, we are his handiwork. We are his workmanship. The message translation says, we join him in the work that he does. We are his agents of his kingdom, his hands and his feet. I don't know about you, but I find that incredible that he would use us to bring his rule and his reign and his blessing and his kingdom into the world. Even though he could do it all despite us, And so often in my own life, he has worked despite my lack. And yet his primary way of bringing about his kingdom is through us, his agents. Secondly, we were created. There is purpose and intentional design in creating you with all of your quirkiness, just the way you are. Maybe some of you are more introverted, some are more extroverted. Some of you are more logical, some more intuitive. Maybe one or two of you here, um, you just have this thirst and hunger for learning. One or two might feel just an overwhelming compassion and empathy for those suffering. You know that there's intentional design. You are wired that way so that, thirdly, you do good works. There is actually something to do with your quirkiness. Let's call it your unique contribution. There are works to do, and those works are meant to be good. There is good for you to bring into being. And finally, God prepared. God prepared your calling, your role, your vocation, your assignment. He prepared it in advance. He has a trajectory, a journey for you to go through, and it is prepared for you. God loves us and created us on purpose, but he also created us for a purpose. Our lives have meaning, and it's wonderful. But how do we know what that is? Is God going to tell me what this calling is? And if he does, am I just going to all of a sudden become really, really good at it? 
A bit like the matrix, the competence just gets downloaded all of a sudden and you just go out there and boss it. I think we all know that, that it doesn't work that way, right? Even Moses, who literally had a burning bush experience, received his calling when he was around 80 years old. You see, God is not in the business of um, development in a microwave where all of a sudden you have a fully-fledged, just nailing it at life human being who just seems to come onto the scene and just starts changing the world. Um, my kids went through this, um, uh, this phase of making mug cakes. I don't know if any of you parents have experienced the joy of that. Um, it's basically, you just shove a load of ingredients for a cake into a mug, quickly stir it, shove it in the microwave oven, and expect that a fluffy, beautiful, fully baked cake will come out. But once you start eating into it, you realize you're just eating chunks of flour, half-baked. Moses, he served flocks of goats in Midian for 40 years before he got his ultimate call. Why? Because God is committed to your complete spiritual transformation, your formation into the image of Jesus, whilst at the same time developing your native God-given gifts for his glory and the blessing of those around you. Moses' competence would never have got him through the desert with those moaning Israelites. I, I think he would have just drowned them in the Jordan if it wasn't for God working on his character in those early years. Character and competence. Now, obviously, I'm not suggesting that um, you're going to learn all your skills and everything that you need by serving in the local church. I'm sure Faith Cornish over there has learned nothing really from the church in terms of professional swimming, right? Or Josh, Thur- Josh Thorne, who's you know, embarking on a, on a career in professional drumming, he didn't learn all of his chops by just playing in the worship band here. Those guys have been working at their craft in their own time, hours and hours every single week. But learning humility and patience, honoring others, working with others from different backgrounds, failing in a forgiving environment, there is no greater community than the church that Jesus had a vision for. It's here that we appreciate diversity. It's here that you learn from the older generation and nurture the younger generation. It's here that you see what Jesus had in mind when he talked about servant leadership and being concerned about the whole person, not just their performance and their output. Our calling is ultimately to himself. Jesus calling us into a relationship with himself. But he does have a unique assignment for each of us. And we find our assignment and are transformed into the image of Jesus more often when we serve others than when we sit and listen to sermons being served. We need both. Please don't see me, don't hear what I'm saying, not saying. We need that healthy balance. But in order to discover what God has put in you, you need to put your skills and your character to the test in the right environment. And I believe that right environment is in serving others within a community of people who love you and want 
your best and everything God has put in you. And in an environment of serving alongside others, those that will lead you and those that are more experienced than you, those that are less experienced than you, and everyone else that is also just on a journey and broken as you are. You start to discover your calling and it takes a lifetime. But Jesus' primary agency for this is the church. Unfortunately, churches haven't always done this very well. When you have a big vision and limited resources, church leaders can be tempted to think that the people in the church are to be used to fulfill their vision. And so they stand maybe on platforms like this and guilt their church into doing more stuff to fulfill their vision. Oh, sorry, I mean, I mean the, church, the church's vision. And as a leader, I'm constantly fighting against the pressure to find volunteers when actually what I'm really called to, and actually what all of us are actually called to, is to build people up, to help them to discover their God-given calling, help develop their native and raw gifts that God has put in them, and to deploy them into their call. And that call is often, it's not necessarily a vocation inside the church, it's normally a vocation outside of the four walls of the church, working in the world to bring salt and light, and all of that framed around becoming more like Jesus. I can get stuck into finding people to fill slots for the machine that is the church. And I've had to repent of that, actually, quite often. It's a constant temptation. And I'm so sorry if you've maybe even heard me speak about people as just resources when God sees children with purpose and destiny that need help discovering, developing, and being deployed. Building people takes time, and it's messy. You have to have some honest and courageous conversations often. Growth is slow. But I want you all to hear, God didn't put you in Citygate Church to build Citygate Church. Jesus has that covered. He sent the church to help build you up to be all that God called you to be to help you discover your purpose and be helpful, supportive, encouraging, and equipping in seeing that purpose discovered, developed, and deployed in your world, in your sphere of influence, to see lives transformed. I truly believe the best place to discover God's purpose in your life and to then develop and grow it and finally be deployed is in the church serving others. And that may sound really brash and simplistic, and I'm not saying that the church has got this right, but I believe that is Jesus' vision for the church. I want to um, bring up my first guest. His name is Tolu, and uh, I want to have a quick chat with Tolu. So, Tolu, grab a microphone. There you go. So this is Tolu. Tolu. Tolu is a wonderful human being. He is uh, married to Funmi. They have four kids. They, work, they live in Christchurch. Tolu is 
you've got a big job, you've, you work in HR, it's a really yes. busy environment. Actually, next week when you get our cityscape, there's a great article of you talking in there about your work and how God uses you in your workplace. But I wanted to just pick your brains a bit about serving, considering you've, you've served in church in Nigeria lots of, lots, lots of time in that period, and here. What does serving in the church mean to you? Well, to, to pick up from where you started, that God has called us to, God has a purpose for our life. I think in fulfilling the purpose of God, God has gifted us, given us gifts, you know, to fulfill that purpose. And um, we're stewards of that gifts. And as, um, as stewards of the gifts, we have, um, we need to be faithful, you know, in giving expression to the gifts so that we can discover that call mm. of God upon our lives. So the church, I believe serving in the church gives me an opportunity to be faithful as a steward of God in giving expression to the gift that God has yeah. um, you know, gifted me with. Because I believe that because God made us, a lot of us don't know, we don't even know so much of what we have until we get to the place of serving. Mm -hmm. I think it's in, when we get into that place that we begin to evolve and begin to you know, discover some of those gifts. So I think that um, one, serving gives me it's been me being faithful, you know, to the gift of God and also being able to, you know, give expression, you know, and discover what God has given me. So that's, that's great. Um, that's fantastic. What it means to well, how is serving in the church? So here and back in Nigeria, I know you had some, like, you talked to me about it's like 10 years of faithful serving in one area and yeah. then another area. How has serving in the church impacted you as a Christian and your work life outside of the church? Okay, so I'll start with maybe the way it worked for me at a point in time back in Nigeria when I decided to serve after my um, serving the church, after my university education, I joined a department and the department was, um, I was just to park cars. We just used to park cars every Sunday because we had quite a number. We had the parking lots. We used to park, so we had like quite a number. We may park like 200 cars in a Sunday service. So I was just there and I was the youngest member, just used to park the cars. And um, so we did that. So in that course of that time, I, over the years, I became the head of that department after like about seven, eight years. After 10 years, um, because of the church that I was in, we, we were given opportunity to to go start another harm of the church. So we, nine of us, we were sent to start another, you know, harm of the church. And I was just parking cars for 10 years, but when we had to go and start the church, it was when I began to, you know, discover, you know, that I had these things that I never knew, you know. Mm. First, I knew that it was in that starting that church that I knew that I needed to teach I needed to lead, I needed to mentor. You know, those were things that I didn't even know that I had. Mm. Although I was parking cars for 10 years, it was just like I was parking cars. But when the opportunity came, so it was from that opportunity that I now, now needed to start teaching, needed to start leading people, mentoring people, inspiring and motivating. And that naturally also helps me in my secular work, yeah. which, you know, just took me out and it gives me, you know, confidence to, 
to do some of those things in the office to, you know, in my little groups in the office to, you know, do those things. So, but it was from there. One of the things that has really struck me, you know, is the church, serving in the church also gives you an opportunity to fail and it will be acceptable, unlike in the sec- your secular work. In, if you make mistakes in volunteering in the church, it's okay, you can move on. But in the secular, your mistakes you pay for. And one of the things that I have also come to learn and discover is that um, serving in the church is not so much about your ability. You know, it's so much about your availability. Mm. And as you make yourself available, God just empowers you and he just supports you. You know, in um, the book of um, 2 Timothy 2, the Bible, the Bible, Paul was telling Timothy that that which you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit to faithful men who will be able. So the idea is you are faithful in serving, then the God, as you serve, God just empowers and gives you the ability, mm. you know, to be able to do things that you did not know that you could do before. You know, so that has just impacted me greatly and to help me to know that I can do things that I've never thought that I was able so to good. do before. Tolu, thank you so much thank for you. your time. That's great. Do you notice how God formed Tolu's character in those early years of serving faithfully alongside others? And those other people might have been older than him, younger, or wiser or more broken, more challenging, um, different backgrounds. And then did you notice how gifting was discovered in the next phase of his serving? A gap emerged and Tolu put his hand up, probably got a Holy Spirit nudge to move into something more uncomfortable and something that would stretch him. And that step of faith and courage, knowing that he would probably fail on occasion, produced gospel fruit for so many people. See, calling isn't something you choose, like who you marry or the car you drive. It's something you unearth, that you excavate, that you dig out, that you discover. I think we often get into the trap of thinking that a call in life is limited to spiritual-type jobs, as if there is a sacred-secular divide. There is no such thing. It's probably made up by someone in a role like mine with self-esteem issues. Um, No, of course God calls elders and pastors and missionaries, and it's a good job he does because it's not for the faint-hearted. But he's also called bankers and bakers and artists and accountants and teachers and nurses and stay-at-home moms and stay-at-home dads and coffee baristas. Amen to that. Um, Each one has a unique calling and a set of gifts that match that calling. No person is meant to do everything. Thank goodness for that. Can you imagine if I tried to make everything happen myself? Some of you think I'd try to do that. But what a, I mean, what a hopeless place that would be. First of all, everything would look very Sean-like, which means that most people just get lost all the time. But only the stuff that I'm good at would be good in the world. And the stuff that I'm not interested in and not very good at, would be neglected. And not, and, yeah, and not very good. I was speaking to um, Bernie Gordon, who is an absolute legend. 
uh, in, in our church. Uh, she leads our visuals team across both sites, and she's just the epitome of, of servant leadership, faithful and humble and caring and an encourager and equipper. But what makes Bernie unique is her attention and eye for detail. Um, she can spot a spelling mistake a mile away. <laughs> she knows when a slide has been downloaded in the wrong order. Uh, and she knows when I put someone on the rotor in the wrong team within seconds. But, and that's not the only thing that makes Bernie unique and wonderful. There are many, many things. But she is using her gift faithfully and humbly to, in honor to God and for the service of all of us. And it is wonderful when we see that. Serving is where you find out what you're good at, and it's actually also where you find out what you're not very good at, which then opens the door for a fresh focus. I want to invite Hillary up to, to kind of have a quick chat with me as well. So, Hillary is another outstanding human being, uh, and she leads our welcome team alongside Stuart, as well as Jeff and Sandy Noakes. Um, Hillary, how has serving on the welcome team helped you to discover what God has gifted you in particularly? Well, I didn't really know that I had any particular gifts and uh, I didn't grow up in a Christian world, so um, little girls were there to be seen and not heard, so putting yourself out the front um, was not natural for me. I ended up working in hospitality, so COVID stopped that and I started coming to Citygate Church and I was asked to join the welcome team. And uh, I discovered that it was something that I like doing. I do have a heart for people, a real compassion for making people feel um, as though they belong somewhere. So um, part of my growing up was... um, Always being on the edge of things, never feeling like I was part of something, hiding in the background and not being noticed was my preference. So standing on the welcome team out the front of the church door was quite a challenge, but um, it also makes me aware of how not everybody who comes into the church is full of confidence. Some people are just really anxious about walking through those front doors into this huge space and seeing an a auditorium full of chatty people that they don't know. Sometimes you might have had a really bad morning where getting everybody ready for church has been like um, herding cats. <laughs> or you might have w- woken up in pain And it's been a real struggle getting yourself here. So whether you're here for the first time or whether you've been coming here for 20 years, everyone who walks through that door is important, that they feel welcome, that they feel comfortable in this space and uh, that it's a really good place to to be, that they feel valued and... um, welcome here, which is what our t-shirts say. So that's, that's what I think welcome is. What would you say to someone who thinks that the welcome team is just smiling and greeting people in the door? 
Well, of course, it is smiling when people come in. It's a grumpy welcome. It's not very valuable to anybody. <laughs> so a happy welcome at the door is a great start. But of course, we want to make sure that everyone is comfortable here. We want to make sure that they know where the children's work is, that they know where the toilets are, they know where to get water. They know that we serve coffee afterwards. But the most important thing is that they feel honoured and valued as they come through the door. Mm, that's great. And what, what are you actually looking for in terms, of, you, you, you know, in terms of spotting people that might be good for your team? What, what would be a, a good welcome team server for you? Well, you don't have to be, just look at me, you don't have to be the most confident person in the world. And you don't have to be the most extrovert person. Um, just someone who has a heart and a compassion for people, that you want to help people, make them feel comfortable, make them feel as though this is the place they want to come and belong, and not a place that they just attend. Amazing. Thank you so much, Hilary. Thank you. Okay, my next guest is Tom Tienison, who is my son. You right, boy? Yeah. Nice hair. Thank you. <laughs> At least I still have some. Mm. Got loads of hair. Um, Tom, so you've served in Citygate since you were 13, so that's about three years now. What has the experience of serving helped you to see, and what have you learned so far? Well, like you said, I've been serving for three years, um, which is since the beginning of the production team during lockdown. And I think one of the first things that I learned was working quickly and on the fly, especially with production, because no matter how prepared you feel during the meeting, one of the cameras will do something stupid. And I can guarantee that happened today because I saw Mike run down and help him out there. <laughs> but I've also done... I used to be on the visuals team, which is words. And similar there, because no, no matter how many times you ask the worship leader what the order of the songs are, they will always, always change it or add a new song completely out of the blue and just, you have to we're just following the, the leaning of the spirit of course but it means you have to just look up a song you've never heard before <laughs> on, the, on the system so tell me about so you've you actually served in a few teams you also serve in, in kids as well so you've served under a number of different leaders can you tell me what you've appreciated from some of the different gifts and leadership styles that you've served under uh, yeah so Production, Mike Pomeroy is absolutely amazing as a leader. He's so, like, great at troubleshooting and knows how to fix it. Like I said there, he's run down here and fixed whatever was going on there. And he's here pretty much every single week at 8 a.m. just setting up cameras and getting everyone ready. It's amazing to see. And with visuals, Bernie Gordon, she's absolutely amazing at teaching Almost every week, I'm seeing her up at the desk teaching someone new, and she's amazing at feedback, like you were saying, which is amazing. Um, in kids' work, I had, I've mainly had two leaders. One of them was Jan Pineda, who unfortunately doesn't do it anymore. <laughs> Very sad. 
Call him, call him back. <laughs> he was very good at engaging the kids with fun and he also had that maturity over them to have them sit down and listen. And the other person who I served with was, is Stuart Anderson, who has a real passion for seeing the kids develop a relationship with God. And we do, he do that by praying with them. And recently, one of, we actually prayed for Ed Sheeran on request of one of the kids. <laughs> Tom, what, what do you think makes a good kids worker, good kids leader? I think the long and short of it is that you need to be able to think like a child and become like a child so that you know how they think and how to engage with them. But you also need the maturity and authority of an adult so they, to get them to sit down and listen when they need to. Do you want to be a kid's, kid's leader or youth Absolutely. leader one day? Absolutely. 100%. Um, yeah. Oldest of four, I mean, <laughs> we're very different four as well, so there's a wide variety there that I've had to um, deal with <laughs> during my, my babysitting hours for free. <laughs> Outrageous. But, um, yeah, I've, I think I've got a, a, a good gift that's been developed through that to be with kids. And what would you say to someone that maybe hasn't started serving yet? Uh, why haven't you? <laughs> um, <laughs> Be gracious. <laughs> um, I, I mean, waking up in the morning is probably a good reason, I guess. But also, it's, just, you know, it's one of those things Jesus was talking about. He was very much about helping people. All of the people there were expecting some warrior who was going to kill everyone. But they got some guy who came and sat down and washed people's feet for them. And his take dinner. Thanks, Bob. Okay, I'd like us to, um, we're just going to watch a quick video and then I'm going to have Hannah Rule over up. kids groups in accordance with the spiritual growth we hope they will be in at that age range. Fun fact number two. The reason why we have called them those names is because City Gate Kids' vision and what we're all about is planting seeds of faith into the next generation and, and trusting in God to see those seeds grow. Fun fact number three, we have about 70 servers in our kids team and we are absolutely grateful for all of them. They are the people on the front line, kingdom building, building relationships with kids. Fun fact number four, 
I'm Sam and I lead one of the Fearless Roots teams along with my wife Amy and we normally have a lot of fun here at Fearless Roots. Loads of games, loads of crafts and uh, it's brilliant. We've been doing it for the last few months. We joined uh, just at the beginning of the year and it is such a privilege to be serving uh, alongside such a great team. So Matt, how did it go? It was good fun. Yeah. We survived. <laughs> It's worth joining the Super Seedlings team because you get to meet so many families at the church and you really get to create a community. It's also nice to be a blessing to the families and let them enjoy the service fully without the distraction of their child tugging on their leg. <laughs> Why do you think it's worth serving kids? I think it's good to involve yourself in the work of God in any way that you can and just be a part of their development. Like It's a memory that they will never forget, so it's great. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie to you, being part of this team takes effort. Some days you come in knackered from the week, some, some days you're not even sure what's going to happen, other days you can feel super confident. But the most important thing is, and the one thing that keeps us going, is the knowledge that we get to be a part of God's mission. We get to be a part of seeing lives transform right at the forefront, and that is really what Citygate Kids is all about. Good stuff. So, Hannah, hey. why did you decide to be part of Kids Ministry? Why did I decide? Uh, first of all, there are some people here who hear kids' ministry and think, that is the ministry for me. Uh, four years ago, <laughs> that wasn't the case for me. Um, it wasn't my first choice, actually. Um, I was studying at Moreland's Bible College, doing a three-year degree for youth work. So I wanted to go into youth work, and then this job came up. It was temporary. It was part-time. Um, and I thought, this is a great stopgap. Um, that's okay. Um, but actually what happened was, in the same way with relationships, you know how like looks attracts you, but personality keeps you. That's exactly what happened to me at Kids Ministry. Though I love working with kids initially and I was attracted to it, it wasn't until I got into the deep trenches of the craziness of Kids Ministry that I realized, gosh, this is worth investing in. Mm. There's something about this that I really love. And though I'm getting paid for this, and I'm now permanent full-time, even if I was a server, I'd still stay, 100%. That's so good. So what would you say to someone that, you know, it might not be an attractive proposition to start with, but, yeah, yeah you know, like, what would you say? Yeah, what would you say to someone like that? <laughs> well, I would say that uh, kids' ministry doesn't always equal love at first sight. Um, it, it can be smelly, can be snotty, can be really hectic. Um, and, you know, I, I've, hear, I've heard lots of memes and jokes about kids' ministry, and I laugh alongside people, actually, which is absolutely fine, and that is one part of reality. But the other part is just this realisation that you really are part of transforming lives. Yeah. Um, and I see that on a daily um, a, a story of transformed yeah, lives, yeah. I'd say, is um, a few weeks ago, it was in Southbourne site, I was teaching. It's a completely different um, stuff there because 
you have got three-year-olds, 11-year-olds, all in one room, um, about 15 of them. And it was Easter, just the week before Easter. And I thought, okay, well, I really want to make sure that I don't just focus on the resurrection. Obviously, that's really important. But I wanted to focus on the need for the cross, the messiness of sin without absolutely terrifying them. Um, And I was delivering the gospel, trying to be as interactive as possible. But honestly, on the inside, I just wanted to die because I thought, oh my word, I'm messing this up. I'm not doing this well. And I just wanted to rush into crafts as soon as possible. But I felt the Holy Spirit saying, no, 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 take a step back, pause. You need to do a response. So I did. Um, And two kids put their hands up. One of them said, well, I'm already... Uh, I'm already a Christian, but really, all I want to do is to declare to God and say, I want to tell all my friends about Jesus at school. She's eight. She's eight. Um, And then another child who's been at kids' ministry for a few years and thought, right, this is the time for me to now give my life to Jesus. And what was the absolute bonus was the one of the people on my team was her mum. So her mum was able to witness firsthand how she became a Christian. It was just fantastic. It really is about transformed lives and discipleship making. That's amazing, Hannah. I think we're going to have to finish there, but it's so good to hear from you. And thank you for all that you do. It's incredible. No worries. Thanks. Great. These guys are amazing. Really are. I wanted just to just pick up, before we, we kind of close, um, there's something that Tom, Tom said about, you know, like why people might not serve. And it's, <laughs> there are very good reasons why not. But I just wanted to unpick a number, which I hope might help. And so the first one I wanted to just spell out is, some might say, once I commit, I'll end up doing it forever. <laughs> You're all murmuring because you know... The temptation of leaders is to see people as resources to fulfill their vision instead of leaders seeing the ministry they lead as one of the ways that people grow into Christ-likeness, ready to bring God's kingdom into their sphere of life. When we get that wrong, people burn out and get disillusioned. If you've heard a leader tell you that you can't leave a ministry I'm so sorry that you've experienced that. A good leader will always try and work out what the source is of leaving, possibly, and maybe even negotiate the timing of that, but you are not trapped. I've had actually one of um, our electric guitarists, who's a core part of our team, say recently that I want to get involved in kids' work. That is brilliant. That is amazing. They are following the lead of the Holy Spirit, for their, for their next step. Who am I to stand in the way of that? It's logistically challenging for me, but that is okay. Next one. Um, my work week is inconsistent, and I don't want to let the team down because I can't maybe fulfill a rotor commitment. No doubt this is really hard. In an ideal situation in, in our church, we serve one in four Sundays uh, on, on our serving Sundays. Um, And obviously, in an ideal situation, a person would then serve 12 times in a year. But 
as a ministry leader myself, believe me, I am swapping people out every single week because they can't do it or they've got another commitment, they're on holiday, they're sick. It is just part of it. So please don't feel that you can't serve because your life is a little bit inconsistent. We will work alongside you in that. Um, Maybe this is you. I don't think I have anything to offer. Maybe you've had a bad experience in the past where you haven't actually felt valued or needed. And you know, even today, you might want to sign up for a particular ministry and it might not be the right fit for you. Please don't think that that means that you don't have anything to offer. Start somewhere and if you're really struggling, please come and have a chat with me. Finally, season of life. Maybe you're going through a season of life or your family's going through something which has really knocked you and you need to recover. Definitely take a break. Definitely. Some reasons really require that. But far too often I have come across people that stop serving with every intention of getting back into it and never do. And serving in small doses may just be part of your recovery because this life was never meant to be lived in isolation and actually serving others is part of your healing, but it needs to be done right. There may be many other reasons why people find it hard to serve or get started in serving. And but I really want you to, I don't want anyone here to feel the pressure today. If you felt the pressure to get involved in serving, then I've actually done a bad job this morning. Serving is a form of discipleship, getting closer to Jesus. And you know, as I said, Jesus is going to build this church, whether it's through multi-meetings or multi-sites or church plants, he's got that covered. What he really wants to do in you is work through you and transform you so that you can change the world that you're in. And that's why we're talking about serving. So, we're going to finish in a minute. And um, I want to just quickly mention a few practical things. So our serving team leaders are getting ready in the foyer out there. And they're just ready to chat to anyone who might want to get involved in an area of serving. It's not going to be for everyone, but I think it's going to be for a good number here. And just by having a a conversation with them, it is not committing you to their group at all. It's just a conversation to start with. If you might be someone that thinks, look, I'm just ready to sign up wherever I'm happy to go, the QR code on your chair will actually take you to a serving page. You can see what some of those options are to get involved. For some of you, actually, you, it's better if you don't quickly sign up and you need to go away and pray about it and think about it. Maybe for some of you, you're in that season of life and actually today is a decision to not serve that's a really brave decision. It's a good decision for you. But I want to encourage you, make sure you're speaking to your friends that you trust and ask them to help you and ask you when is a good time for you to start serving again. For some of you, it might be that you're already serving and God is wanting to stretch you. God is wanting to take you maybe into a leadership development opportunity and a phase. It might be within the ministry you're already in or it might be something different. Remember, you are not trapped, and um, we want to help you in all of those ways as well. So, um, I wonder if we can stand together. Thank you so much for listening, um, and can we just honour those that came up and, and, and kind of chatted this morning?
Actually, what I should have said is, can we actually honor everyone that has served in the life of this church right now? Fantastic. So we're going we're gonna to give 10 minutes. We're not going to be serving refreshments for another 10 minutes. We've asked our kids' workers if they can go on for another 10 minutes. So don't worry about picking up your kids. We've got 10 minutes to just mingle. It might be for you, your opportunity is right now to go out, explore some of the serving ministries that are available in the foyer. Or you might want to be mingling, talking to people around you. Thank you so much for being out today. And... Uh, Have a fantastic week.